Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and this week we're talking again with Phil Vischer. Phil's an animator, writer, voice actor, and director known for co-creating VeggieTales, voicing dozens of its characters, including Bob the Tomato. In 2012, Phil and Sky Jatani launched the Holy Post podcast, which has since then expanded to a diverse media resource, helping believers live faithfully in an increasingly post-Christian culture. We concluded last week's episode with Ed asking Phil if he identifies as an evangelical, and we're picking up that conversation with Phil's response. So you would, I say, that you still have, I don't want to put words in your mouth, are you an evangelical? Do you use that word to describe yourself? What? what no, where I'm are an you? E- I'm an evangelical because you know, that's right. how Americans <laughs> pronounce it. <laughs> so, so do you hold to those beliefs and practices? That yes, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Well, you can point me to the official document of what those beliefs and practices are. <laughs> the Bebbington Quadrilateral. I hold so, to the Bebbington. I want to start. I desperately yeah. want to start a coffee shop called Bebbington's Quadrilateral, where you can, <laughs> and it's within walking distance. And, of and just so everybody knows. That means there are four markers of being an evangelical. Yes. And it has to do with centrality of the cross, group centrism, uh, biblicism. Anyway, there are four things. Um, yes. On my new book, I actually critique it and talk about there being five things, but that's another story. And yeah, nobody... several, several people have added uh, one yeah. or two yeah, extra uh, we things got, to uh, the quadrilateral. Yeah, there's, what's his name here? Timothy Larson did, has the to Larson pen, pen, I don't think he says pentagram. That sounds I hope not. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not going anywhere. But he got don't, five, call it, yeah. don't call it the Enneagram either. That'll yeah, exactly. I know that I found too. out that that's like, because I had your wife on the show. She's, uh-huh. uh, you know, and we talked about the Enneagram. I think it was, I'm not sure if it was my radio show or this podcast. And, uh, and then no one was mad about it, but then later people got mad about it. Now so, people are mad about it retroactively because- It's hard it, to keep up. It became the satanic panic of the week. Do you subscribe okay. to the satanic panic of the week club? They send you a new one every week. Like you need to be mad about uh, yoga pants this week. I, I do. <laughs> I, I do not comment on yoga pants. I, and by I, the I way, I was surprised that you were brave enough to wear them when we had dinner in downtown. That's... But that's a- <laughs> Wow, there's a mental judge. image. Someone's going to create that gonna, on like what's I'm not that journey? What's that AI thing? <laughs> yes. Someone's going to create yes, that on do there it. as well. Ed Stetzer, you know, downtown Wheaton yoga pants. I am never going to dinner with you again. Um, okay, <laughs> so then I mean, are you? You know, because you talked about yes, I'm Chris. evangelical. Well, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Um, if because some people say you know if you criticize evangelical, you're not evangelical, but you are pretty much a critic. But also, who lives in Wheaton is Mark Knoll, and Here, he teaches Sunday yeah. school. And Mark, yeah. you know, he criticized evangelicalism, but from the perspective, he calls of a wounded lover. Yes. So, um, so what are you trying to accomplish with I, these I, kind of critiques? I am intrigued by the influence of, by, by the interplay over the last hundred years of what I would describe as Northern evangelicalism and Southern fundamentalism. Okay. I, I'm intrigued by, you know, the, uh, the Carl Henry on one end, um, Bob Jones senior on the other end, you know, kind of continuum and, and more, more even more that the tug of war and where, you know, now a Jerry Falwell, where does he fall on that continuum and who is, 
who's gaining, who's wrestling the name evangelical closer to their side? Yeah. I think that's a very interesting story over the last 60 years is who owns the name evangelical? What does right. it mean? Does it mean you like Billy Graham or can you hate Billy Graham and still call yourself an evangelical? No, you can't. So, so that's what I'm interested in. And uh -huh. I, I do believe more in the um, the Northern evangelical tradition that also, you know, Billy Graham and John Stott and the Lausanne movement, which isn't just a Northern evangelical tradition, but it's kind of a global evangelical tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very concerned. And this is why uh, 2016 through 2000, well, since 2016 have been so concerning for us is feeling that some of the worst aspects of Southern fundamentalism are winning the day. Uh, um, and creating a new uh, global impression of historic evangelicalism. So, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in how the Civil War through Jim Crow affected the Southern Church, and then how the Southern Church is is affecting global evangelicalism. Well, and I think the Southern Church certainly is the center. I mean, when you look numerically. Mm -hmm. It certainly yeah. is a center, you know, even using the word evangelical, Foy Valentine, who was very famous Southern Baptist ethicist, called evangelical a Yankee word. And that's not something that they sort of held on to. I'm yeah. of the view, and I'm actually writing my chapter on this, that people are right now wrestling. Everyone's grabbing for the wheel of what evangelicalism is and yes. will be. I am and you are as yeah, well. That's, why, we, that's why you and I have to get it. We have to get the wheel. Jesus. I don't I don't know that I want the wheel for the power. But I do think that, you know, I, I kind of use the metaphor. Well, I'd like, to, I'd like to influence the wheel for avoiding pedestrians. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're That's running. taking the metaphor a little more distant. But I do think that we're in a time of contested evangelical identity. I think that's absolutely what I'm trying to get to. And absolutely. And past, it's becoming it's becoming cultural and political and not a theological conviction. So when you read 100%. Steve. When you read Stephen Wolf's book on Christian nationalism, or the piece he read, he wrote this week in the American Reformer, where he said, "In the name of Christian hospitality, we need to uh, kick out all illegal immigrants because they're damaging the cohesion of our communities." My guess is he didn't say it exactly like that, but I, I, he said I one the of the court. concerns. He said one the of the one of the concerns I have is evangelicals have a high uh, xenophobia on some of those issues. So, yeah. so we're all sort of wrestling for, and the, the metaphor I actually build on is that Billy Graham kind of shaped it. And along with people like Harold Lockingay and Carl Henry and, and others, and shaped what was institutional evangelicalism, like a potter shapes this, and they actually call it throwing clay. There are parts yeah. that they threw out and parts that they threw in. That's what that's called. What do you think needs to be thrown out for a healthy, vibrant future evangelicalism? And what do you think needs to be thrown in to for a healthy, vibrant evangelicalism? Oh, man. I don't, Is that all right? I, can I ask that? That's not yeah, a question you can, you can ask. You can ask that. That might be a, above my pay grade. Um, well, you've already sort of, you sort of already talked some about your concern yeah, about yeah. Someone issues just, of immigrants. Someone just tweeted a really nice summary uh, based on one of Stott's books of the difference between evangelicalism and fundamentalism, right. according to John Stott. And it was. And if John Stott said it, it's uh, when it comes to the identity of evangelicalism, we got to listen. Yeah, I think that's worth listening to. Yeah. Um, and I really resonated with it, you know, and, and there's because um, I, I had long ago on the podcast 
tried to come up with seven distinctives between evangelicalism and fundamentalism. You know, and one of the big ones was just pugilism, just the the love of fighting. <laughs> you know, and because you you see it in the early 20th century, kind of in the in the break between um, William Bell Riley and you know and other um dispensationalists that didn't want to be all about culture wars so william right. bell riley you know took the world uh world christian fundamentalist association in a culture war direction where it was all about rooting out bolshevism liberalism you know and i forget what his other one was uh, liberal theology uh communism Higher criticism was part of yeah, and evolution and evolution yeah, evolution yeah so and so there's a there's a subset of conservative Christians because my family tradition is on the fundamentalist side of the right. fundamentalist modern. Simpson, you're coming out of CMA, sure. Yeah, yeah. So my whole world is on the fundamentalist side of the fundamentalist modernist controversy. But then there's a split, you know, in the 40s with Ockengay and Henry and others between trying to recover a more wholesome evangelicalism from a more reactive, you know, culture warring separatist evangelicalism or fundamentalism. And I'm just like, there's something precious in there, in the middle. And it's so easy to either give it all up and just say, I just do activism for the sake of activism. I do sure. justice for the sake of justice or to give it all up the other way and go all in, you know, and say, I'm just going to police yoga pants. That's my thing. Um, and there's something beautiful in the middle of, okay, no, we're following Jesus. We're And Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time policing women's garments, didn't spend a whole lot of time policing what music you were listening to. How do we follow Jesus um, and be constructive towards creation and, you know, in the neighborhoods that we're in, uh, not be reactive, not be separatist, but also not throw away the distinctives of the faith, you know, not throw away orthodoxy for the sake of relevance, but um, not add on to orthodoxy for the sake of of my culture that I'm trying to preserve. So I, I think like everything you just said, I think I- That makes sense. I think I might 100% agree with. Um, Ed, but, but, Ed, you don't yes. have any argument with me, Ed. <laughs> Actually, I do. But but because uh, I, I would, you know, we've talked about we talked about this over dinner. I think some clarity on some issues would serve you better than the constant I hear uh, say, asking the follow up question that without actually giving the answer. I'm a host. Sort. I'm a host. Okay. I'm not I a understand. theologian. You're not a host on this, though. You're not a host on this. So so but so here's what I, mean, I think partly you're trying to advocate for something, but you're <laughs> you're whereas, you know, people who are opposed to you are very clear what they want. They want oh, yes. people like you out of evangelicalism. Yes. But you seem to be less clear be uh, on. Uh, and so why not say this is what should go in? This is what should go out. Or is that just a question that you haven't thought about before? I think that's a boundary policing that is part of uh, what I don't want to engage in. But you are you are literally saying evangelicalism should not be neo-fundamentalism. Is yes. that not boundary policing? A little bit. But it's, it's not a little bit. It's, 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 it's completely it's, boundary policing. It's, You're basically saying, I wish this was not who we were, which yes. means I want you to stop or go away. Um, okay. Two sure. options, right? Stop being that way or go away and don't. No, 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 no. What I would say is, hey, everybody, let's hey? define. Hey, oh, hey, everybody. Hey, hey everybody. Okay. Hey, everybody. <laughs> That's the evangelical, evangelical industrial complex. At let's define this as as not uh, classic evangelicalism. Right. Let's let's say racism is not part of classic evangelicalism. 
Um, let's say, you know, I mean, there's, there's a whole host of things. This is not part of classic evangelicalism. Right. Right. Now, I, I, I'm not going to say, hey, women in the pastorate, is it or isn't part of classic evangelicalism? There have always been a multiplicity of points of view. Sure. If you're, you know, assembly of God, you've always had women in the pulpit. So there's... there's and your this, historic denomination, Christian Missionary Alliance, literally just changed, just changed their mind to yeah. a kind of a, it's like kind, to, not quite egalitarian, but sort of a, no, it's a not in-between sort of view. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we're in the muddy middle now, but at least, yeah, yeah whatever, whatever. I don't, I'm not trying, what I'm more likely to do is say, hey, I want to elevate a voice that has a, some really clear thinking about this right. issue. I'm not convinced my thinking is always really clear. Okay. I don't, I don't of, listen to a lot. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I do listen to yours. But sometimes when I listen to your podcast, I'm yeah. like, I want you to say, what's your yeah. solution? I hear the problem. Yeah. I share yeah, concerns yeah, yeah. about the problem. What's the solution? And that's probably what I'm a little bit pressing here on is what do you want? I know you want to you want you want a children's program, but what do you want? That's very vague. That's very vague. For more than that. That's very I just want free ice cream. I want one day a year (laughs) for there to be free ice cream. Free ice cream when it snows. I I would like to hold to the fundamentals um, while agreeing that we all just can't make everything that we love a fundamental. Right. We can't elevate like, everything. If everything's right. a, if everything is an essential, then, you know, it's it, right. literally the, the definition of parts of fundamentalism. Yes. Um, yet I sometimes want you to be clearer on what is a fundamental. What has to be there? Is it the five fundamentals of the faith that, you know, go yes. back to the early part of last century? I, well, I, it's easy. The Apostles Creed. I don't think there's anything in the Nicene Creed that I wouldn't say is part of the fundamentals of evangelical uh, orthodoxy, although I haven't like, I haven't Wait, read John's. What you're saying? There's not there's something in the Nicene Creed that's in, that is. I'm, I'm not, saying I'm not, not a I'm not aware of anything that oh, wouldn't be. I got part you. Okay. Of evangelical right. orthodoxy. Right. So I think you go back to the historic creeds and you're good there. But then we all want to know, you know, but what about uh, civil unions between same sex couples? What about yoga pants on girls over the age of? five wow, that's, a, that's quite a that's quite a leap from civil unions to <laughs> yoga pants but this I know. is what goes on in your mind those so are the those i would say those are the parts of, well there's things that are more uh even would be more controversial than civil unions yeah sure you know full-on gay marriage blessed sure. by the church would certainly be more controversial and harder to justify in orthodox evangelicalism <laughs> than allowing civil unions in a in a, a multicultural society so you're sort of asking questions around the edges yes about an example of civil unions um you've said before that you hold orthodox views of marriage so yes but you're 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 asking questions around here so just yeah, I'm just yeah like like david like david french saying yeah at one point he was opposed to uh gay marriage but now that it's the law of the land he is opposed to pulling it away from people who have shaped right. their lives relying on that law and that's that's his point of view as a christian sure. who's a civil libertarian right. um and, and i would I, I would tend to agree with that is it loving right. our neighbors to take things away from them because we have you know we've gained more political power and we didn't think the thing should have been given in the first place. And that's, you know, it's like abortion, uh, gay marriage, all of the, you know, now transgender. Let's just get all the issues out there. Just get them all, all right now. Yeah. I don't have that. clear answers on any of those. Okay. And you, Ed, you, but you seem to say that you have some clear answers, but it's sort of the edges no. where you don't. And let me just say too, I didn't agree with David French's column. I thought it was unhelpful. And, and I probably shared a lot of people's criticism of it. Okay. But you're, and that's okay. So what that's if okay. somebody like, 
what if someone like me says, you know, that's not the approach that I would take, but you're kind of on the edges of these issues, sort of poking and prodding. That's part of your personality. Um, what are you trying to accomplish to help us think more, to change our minds? Honestly, what are you, yeah, yeah uh, please, quite often, like, honestly, yes. Up, if quite you've often, now, you've not been honest, but from now on, let's quite be honest. often I'm trying to help me think more. Fascinating. Okay. You know, I mean, I haven't thought about all these issues. So when I, if I read a piece by David Gushy or a piece by Michael Gerson or a piece by David French or a piece by Denny Burke or a piece by, you know, there's all these uh, by Al Mohler. And hopefully some women you read as well. No, there are things (laughs) that I have to take a firm stand on (laughs) and putting myself under the written authority of a woman. Oh my. Wow. We're going to edit this part out, but there are some (laughs) wonderful Wonderful women leader. But the point is, I think you were <laughs> illustrating the diversity of people that you read. And I like that yes. illustration that's there. So one of the things I found interesting about, I always want to try to explain you to people sometimes is when we were we were having some of this conversation over dinner and you really do process some of these things in public. I do. Which I want you to know is not always the best thing to do in 2023, <laughs> but it's your call to do. But you know what, what it reflects? What? Do you know what it reflects, Ed Stetzer? Edward William yes. Stetzer. William's my brother's name. My middle name's John, but okay. Edward Jonathan after Edwards, yes. I assume. Yes. Edwards. No, didn't Jonathan Edwards. No, just Edward John Stetzer. I am trying to portray epistemic humility. Ooh. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Yeah, can I, I say, I want you to say more about that. But we have experience in the last 30 years of evangelicalism yes. that those who talk about holding epistemic humility are often on their way out and would not like to articulate they're on their way out because they still have a voice within evangelicalism until they're out. And then and then it makes it real hard for the rest of us to say, you know, they were give, making some good points. We were listening, but now they moved away from orthodoxy. So it's, well, yeah. it, there is some sure. history that's there. Sure. That sounds like a slippery slope argument, Ed. Stetzer. I've heard of slippery slopes, and sometimes slopes are slippery. So, epistemic <laughs> humility to help us do what? Um, um, well, it's kind of like what I actually like that Rick Warren said on Russell Moore's podcast: is that a, a conservative Baptist believes in the authority of Scripture, a fundamentalist Baptist believes in the authority and inerrancy of my interpretation. I don't know how to interpret all of the Bible. I am yeah. not. That's not just, I'm not here to say this is the right way to read uh, Hebrews, because that's not, that's not me. I'm not even, that's not even a goal for me to be able to tell you the right way to read Hebrews or the right way to read, you know, 1 Timothy 2 or the right way to read all these controversial chapters. I'm not even here to tell you the right way to read Genesis 1, and I actually have done a lot of study on that one. I, so what I try to do with kids is, here are the two most common ways people read Genesis 1. Which one is right? We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. Does the Bible tell us exactly how old the earth is? It doesn't seem to. Some people say, yes, eh, it could be this. It could. So I'm, I'm probably too squishy for you know people when they go to the right of the middle of evangelicalism, because in the, in the, certainty is another one of the marks of fundamentalism. Sure. And are and there I, some things that you are sure that are not squishy that you would say, here I stand on these issues? Yeah, the Apostles' Creed. Apostles' Creed, okay. Yeah. There you go. Good place to be. Okay. I'm, I, sh- I, I'm, sh- I'm sure that that is the foundation, but I'll also say I'm sure that is the foundation of um, not necessarily the Bible because it was a group of people trying to distill what they believed the Bible said. 
So then th that's what the creeds are. The Bible isn't a creed. The Bible is a, a body of knowledge that people have tried to distill creeds out of. And then if you're in that tradition, you say, yeah, that's my creed. And I'm absolutely on board with the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and, and general, you know, what I would describe when people ask, what's in the Bible? What's the theology of what's in the Bible? I would say centrist evangelical. Centrist and, evangelical. That's a term you would use to kind of describe yeah, yourself. Yeah. And I think Wheaton College often uses that term, centrist. Uh, yeah. Now, having said that, I'm not sure if, now that I know how far out there evangelicalism goes, you know, on the conservative side, you know, where where women now can't run parachurch ministries, where, you know... Referencing that John Piper just answered a question and yes. said that women shouldn't run parachurch yes. ministries. Or, you got to give context. You can't just casually mention these things. What? I'm just saying that's how far it goes out yeah. there. Or that, yeah. you know, the, the uh, Southern Baptist pastor bragging on Twitter that in his church, we don't even let women read the announcements. Mm -hmm. That's how that's how seriously we take yeah. the Bible. So I think so, part of the challenge, though, is to remember... Just how, like, if if uh, people can't see or listening by the podcast, but if I hold my hand out and this is evangelicalism, the centrist evangelicalism is not in the center of all of evangelicalism. This is it's true. way to the I, we use left and right different. It's way yeah. to the left side where the center is. Yeah, uh, because because conservative evangelicalism is huge, and it just goes on and on and on. It goes on all the way to you know Jesus wore pants because he would never wear a dress. And yeah, and of course, you know fundamentalists don't consider themselves part of evangelicalism, but we true. actually do consider fundamentalists part of evangelicalism because it's part of how we count them being born again and that kind right. of stuff. Well, or evangelicalism is a part of fundamentalism historically. So you know, true, or comes you know neo evangelism comes out of some of those things, and and yeah. again. I could talk to you we, about five hours on this, but are I, we even making sense anymore, Ed? Is anyone still listening? Have we, I think we're you, so my, my inside team, My team, who's listening, is very much enjoying this. But here's my question for you. Okay, okay, give me. This is okay. This is your last chance to ask me that hard hitting question that I promise I'll answer. If we listen to you, what's evangelicalism going to look like? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, John Stott on a bicycle. <laughs> in other words, in other words, the, someone's the, going to make a mid journey. Someone's going to use AI and create John Stott on a bicycle, and we'll the, make that the image for this the episode. Classic strains of of British Northern America, uh, uh, Northern Evangelicalism, uh, but not taking itself seriously. Good. Quite quite so seriously. Hence the bicycle. Good. So that's going to be conversionist, seeing men and women trust and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Stott was very yes. passionate about that. Uh, that's going to be um, biblical Can, teaching on issues of gender and sexuality. Scott was yes. very clear on that. Uh, that's going to mean, um, you know, social concern. Uh, you know, I mean, Stott, in, you know, writes about this on more than one occasion about caring for the least of these, the poor, those without. So so a Stottian evangelicalism would be <laughs> something that you would say that's a win. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, with we a few really... exceptions, I could get on board with that. Yeah. And I don't, honestly, I'm not a Stott scholar. So yeah. I've just, I've read summaries, you know, and that's why I'm often uh, reticent to make bold declarative statements um, because Enneagram, okay, if it's not satanic, then I can use it. So I'm right now assuming it's not satanic. I'm a five. Fives love to learn. They love yeah. to acquire knowledge, but, but, but the biggest fear of a five is revealing himself to be ignorant because he hasn't learned enough and he spoke. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's interesting. So, Which doesn't, so, and I wish people would like, again, partly like I, I, people will talk to me and they're mad about you saying something or doing something. And I'm like, 
you know, I don't always agree with you. Obviously, we, we've had some pretty robust discussions, private discussions, and now we're having a good robust one here. Um, but I think understanding your framing as an Enneagram 5, I have learned things from you. You have helped me grasp things better. And at the same That's time, nice. you drive me crazy with your lack of clarity. I just want clarity as kindness. Just be clear on these issues and then say, I think this, but here's where I have questions. But you yeah. don't. You say you focus on the questions because in some ways yeah. you're still trying to learn. Yeah. And I definitely, <clears throat> I intentionally avoid highly declarative statements on yes, Twitter. On Twitter, <laughs> if people are trying to pin you down and demanding you make a highly declarative oh, it, it, you, statement. You like literally, because I, I I watch you sometimes and I, I text you sometimes. Uh -huh. I text you uh -huh. and say, stop this <laughs> because I know what you believe. And we've had conversations about this and yet uh -huh. you won't just say it. So why um, will you not just say it? Um, well, a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, someone is using it as a litmus test for, you know, for in group out group politics there are theological and, litmus tests but anyway. and i resent that mo mo yeah i resent that that uh especially when in a performative setting so That's i've fair. got i've got you cornered on twitter it's like someone coming to your door knocking on the door demanding you come out on your front porch and yell loudly your position on proposition 28 that's coming before the uh you know whatever the planning commission it's like i resent you demanding that i do that for your purposes so i'm just going to have a little fun with you and i'm going to see if i can get you chasing your tail oh. in a circle i just want to say <laughs> clarity is kindness brother tell be clear uh, what you believe? We don't have to agree. We don't have to agree. But there are I, also I, there are also subjects where, if in a public context you um, you say something pithy, and it's a subject that deeply is deeply personal to people, you know, particularly people that 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 are in an, an outcast community. I right. just I'd rather not say anything than say right. something that could wound someone where I'll never know it and never have a chance to explain what I meant. So. Mm -hmm. I I, uh, I resist publicly declarative statements that are demanded, and mm. will often have fun with the the demander. Yes, it's fun for you when Lisa <laughs> and I are texting. It's not as fun for us. <laughs> oh, Ed, 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 you're not make in him it. stop. Make you're him not stop. In it. it doesn't affect you. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't. I don't jump into those kind of Twitter yeah. things. Twitter is not a great yeah. place for thoughtful oh, no. conversation. And I'm trying so, to do, I'm trying to do less of that because yeah, I, I noticed, I noticed. It's um, not great for my last question. I think the last health. question, but yeah. pastors and church leaders who listen to your podcast, and there's a lot of them, mm -hmm. um, they do, they do, many have said is that they, they've kept them tethered to their faith that somebody is asking these questions. Somebody, mm -hmm. there is a safe place to have some of these conversations. Um, for others, you know, they, they that they probably don't, like necessarily some of the ways those conversations flow. People have different yeah. opinions. For pastors and church leaders, they have a lot of people in their church who maybe are like that kid who listened to Veggie Tales and it's at the back door trying to figure it out. Um, you you can have listened to the podcast, but what advice? This is really the last question. We went much longer than we should have, and I thank you for your graciousness. But what advice would you give to that pastor to help minister to that person with questions? I'd uh, be willing to say I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. Let's study that issue together. You know, it's 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 feeling the need to always have the answer to everything. 
uh, to kind of a, to to justify the position that you've been put in. Um, it was so helpful. And I mentioned this somewhere. I, I, I remember going to my mother um, when I was in high school and, and I was in a unit on evolution. And I just went to my mother who, you know, who grew up when she was eight years old, she was sitting on a couch in her grandfather's living room with uh, Bob Jones Jr. on one side of her on the couch and Bob Jones Sr. on the other side of her in the couch. Wow. And she was wow. in between the two of them. So that's her upbringing. Um, I went to her and said, uh, do we believe in evolution? And there was a long pause and she looked at me and she said, I don't really know. Mm. And what that did for me was it gave me permission to study the issue and draw my own conclusion. You know, I am going to go dive in and study this issue. And, and then I, as opposed to handing your kid, you know, a whole list, uh, the 40 page voters guide, you know, this is who you're going to vote for in every race. Hey, let's talk about issues. Let's talk about issues and let's look for how biblical truth, how the great commandment, how the Sermon on the Mount applies to these issues. And we may come to different conclusions then. We might decide to have different border policy. We might decide to have uh, different attitudes towards women or towards the LGBTQ community. Uh, we might decide to have different, but but we're both starting with the Sermon on the Mount. We're both starting with the Great Commandment. We're both starting with a commitment to following Jesus. And then we we hold each other with enough love to say, all right, you know, you've decided that you're inviting these people into this situation. I disagree with you, but that's okay, because uh, I know that you're also following Jesus and trying to do, you know, your best. So I'm just, I'm really just going for the humility to say, I have full confidence in scripture and much lower confidence in my inerrancy as an interpreter thereof. Ladies and gentlemen, Phil Vischer, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. You're welcome, Ed. You've been hearing from Phil Vischer. You can learn more about him at philvischer.com. Be sure to check out his podcast, The Holy Post, at holypost.com. And thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content from ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review. That'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content Thanks again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.